0: mccoy and this is the brax mccoy show thanks for tuning in in this episode i sit down with my buddy Paw to talk about pts and some other combat related stress and anxiety issues we go into some stuff that other people don't talk about and i think this is an important one to share with people especially if you know they might be struggling because we're two guys that i promise get it we both, we both got combat experience and have kind of done our best to get through Uh, to the other side and i really think that there's some good stuff in here that you're not going to hear anywhere else so if you have if you know somebody who's struggling or even if you just find this interesting please share it and if you're watching this on youtube this is my first time trying to do the video thing Uh, i hope you enjoy this and you can stomach that crooked mustache i got a (laughs) newborn baby i'm not sleeping i didn't shower this morning whatever man hope you enjoy it thanks (music) there's been a with with Afghanistan shutting down uh there's been a lot of people P- PTSD PTS, whatever you want to call it, it's like back in the in the news cycle again i guess you could say especially in veteran circles so um i participated in a space with Rick Dixon and some other people on this and i thought you know it'd be good to sit down with my buddy grandpa because he's he's written on this and i thought he had some pretty interesting takes so we're going to go through maybe I wouldn't call them counter arguments, but maybe like another part of this whole PTS equation. Um, Do you want to just start with the beginning of your, if if you have it pulled up of of that blog that you wrote about this, or where do you want to start?
1: Should I do the Dryden quote or just the rest of it?
0: Yeah, start with the Dryden quote.
1: So uh, it's from um, it's a John Dryden poem, but it says, war he sung is toil and trouble, honor but an empty bubble. Never ending, still beginning, fighting still and still destroying. If the world be worth thy winning, think of, think it worth enjoying. Lovely Tyus sits beside thee, take the goods that God provide thee. Um, so that poem's actually about Alexander, like in Persopolis, like after they've conquered the Persian empire and essentially says that like drop the war, enjoy it, like enjoy your time. Tyus is like this woman that actually convinces him to burn the place down later but um but the idea is that like you know you've got to put down the war like if the if it's you the reason why you went to war was to preserve the world and to fight for the world once that war is over with enjoy that thing that you've won when i mean granted the recent defeat with afghanistan doesn't give us that victory but i mean it didn't change our lives here right like change the people in afghanistan but there's still the world here to enjoy and America as it exists is still a nice place, and so yeah, I mean that was the the opening quote, and then the rest just you know talks about how war is never over, you know at least for the people that were in it.
0: Yeah, it's kind of, that's kind of an interesting duality, right? You're, um, I guess it's a, it's a recognition that it is difficult to stop living in Iraq and in, in my case, or, you know, Iraq and Afghanistan in your case and in your head, but you have to, or else in some sense, everything that you, that you did over there was kind of for naught, or, or that you've done in, in any war any, in any time in history. But yeah, we oh, go ahead. I was just say that
1: we've talked about this, like with, you know, be as hard on yourself, you know, when you screwed something up, is to improve yourself and then no harder but the same thing goes for like the war i mean take these experiences from the war that are necessary to build your character um and then the rest of the stuff that's just harmful to you like throw that part out right
0: mm-hmm. yeah and i i wish i knew better ways to help guys accomplish that and girls uh accomplish that we've talked about this privately but but for me it, Green horses do that a lot because it it makes me live in the moment. I have to focus because if I'm not focused, I'm going to get bucked off and and hurt, you know, but I wish there was something because I do think that the living in the moment part is important because you look at all these other coping mechanisms that we all recognize uh, are unhealthy, but we do anyway, like the the drinking is a big one, obviously, Um, or, you know, becoming addicted to, you know, just whatever sex, video games, any of this stuff, you're just using that as an escape. From reality. And the reality that you're trying to escape from is not even one that you live in now. You know, like you're really still trying right. to escape this this past. Uh and you, and you, it's weird because you have escaped that past. I mean, you're here. So right. like what's going on? But you know that you've got that synaptic, you know, everyone's got that synaptic loop built and they spend a bunch of time trying not to think about it. And then of course that makes you think about it uh, more. And, you know, the avoidance actually makes it resurface more often and that kind of thing. But I don't know if, if there's, I don't know if there's a, it's one of these deals where I'm not convinced that there's a one size fits all answer to this, like most things for people. But what I do know is that we have, for, you know, at least a century now have made a, a big mistake. Like, like VFW, for example, VF, the idea of VFW, at least so far as I can tell, is that you get to go sit down and talk with other dudes. And, you know, especially just men back in the day, and of course, men and women now or whatever, that share have shared experiences, Uh they understand what's going on. So the unsaid can stay unsaid. And, and i think that a lot of people find comfort in that but it's accompanied with you know pints and shots and pool and all of this other stuff that's maybe fun but really is not doing doing anybody any favors you know like like if you're self medicating that's that's a problem you know and i i think that we've got to uh you know i'm not, i'm not interested in lecturing anyone especially as a person who uh, drinks on occasion but if you're doing it uh to self medicate which i would say the the vast majority of people who who drink like that are doing whether they realize it or not then you're you're just compounding the problem you know you're putting a poison and a depressant in your body to combat this sort of depression Uh, you know Mm -hmm. part of PTSD is definitely depression and you're you're dumping a depressant into you it's like you're definitely uh, making the cycle worse and I mean what would you say uh, to all of that so I mean for people
1: when I wrote about this like I broke the, the categories down into three like types of people that that seem to have like PTS or PTSD or survivor guilt or moral injury or any of the the symptoms of folks who like served overseas in war. And like the first group is like the people who legitimately suffer, and that's who we're talking about here. You know, the other two we can get into maybe later, but um, I do think probably one of the biggest factors in folks, at least the folks that I've known who um, have suffered the most in family, and in life, and then ultimately, even the folks who have taken their own lives, they all, the common denominator there was substance abuse, every one of them. And the substances that they were abusing ran the gamut of illegal alcohol, prescription, um, but they were all abused, every one of them. And, you know, one thing that's probably really controversial which i'll go ahead and i'll just go ahead and dump out now is just that i think that most i think that most veterans you don't you don't join something like the military generally generally speaking i mean there are some people that join it out of some fierce patriotism or something but a lot of them are doing it to, to escape a scenario or situation in their life and some of them come already with substance abuse either um already present or for a predilection for it and so you then take a person who's maybe dealt with childhood trauma or abuse um, who might already have like a, a burgeoning um addiction problem and then you throw them in severely traumatic events you know as a as a young adult and then um the culture in the military seems to kind of live on the edge especially within the combat arms units you know where it's the the adrenaline of just combat isn't enough like they have to push each other constantly into to to events and um behaviors that that don't make them deal with any of this right like Mm -hmm. and so yeah you end up on the you know spit out of the back end you end up right back in the same kind of home that you try to run from problems didn't go away like you went away but The problems are still waiting for you. Mm -hmm. You've got more compounded trauma from things you experienced over there. Now your burgeoning addiction problem is probably fully fledged. And um, while there, I do believe there are resources for them. I mean, I think one common misconception is to say that there's no resources. I haven't found that to really be the case. Anybody I've ever known that really sought out treatment and help could find it. Um, Even through civilian vectors where, you know, I know, I know of folks that have taken care of veterans for free because I mean, there's that, there's that whole culture, of, you know, thank you for your service. Um, but yeah, veterans come home and they don't deal with it. You know, they think they're not supposed to not supposed to talk about it. You know, they, um, yeah, they won't stop abusing drugs and alcohol. They don't, like you said, go and find a mission. They don't, don't try to find some help or try to find a start a family, start a business you know, do something else. And yeah, they just spiral out of control. Because, you know, especially with the drugs and alcohol, they're in a cycle of, uh, you know, depression when they're on it, especially with alcohol, you're very depressed when you're drinking it. But then when you wake up and you're coming out of it, there's a lot of anxiety associated with it too. And so mm-hmm. it's just the cycle of depression and anxiety that they just continue to
0: cycle through. You know, I'm really glad that you brought up that piece because Terry and I, Terry Shepard and I have talked about this privately. He said, "Well, actually, you know what? I'm not going to tell you what he said privately. But we, we have talked about how a lot of guys do come in with issues and and never address those. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's something to be said. This is a thing that you and I have talked about too. But there's something to be said for accepting a job that comes with killing and death in the job description. You know, mm-hmm. I, uh, I don't think not." there it's, I would, it's fair to say that some people that a lot of people who are willing to go and do that are probably not perfectly well adjusted to begin with. And we're kind of not allowed to point this out, but it's an important piece. You know, if you, it's just like every other problem. If your foundation is sand, then it doesn't matter how many times you put new pillars up. It it doesn't matter, you know? So you got to get down there to the root of it and work on that. And, um, you know, I know for me, I was definitely one of these naive country kid, you know, uber patriot, you know, almost to tears every time the American flag was brought up at rodeos and, you know, fully indoctrinated youth of the American West. Right. Um, yeah. But I also grew up in a pretty shitty environment. Um, I, You know, it's not a thing I ever and I, I won't make my uh, childhood public but didn't have like the best up upbringing in a lot of ways and so i know that that had to have been at least a part of it uh and it's you know it's worth it really is worth uh addressing and and that's one of those things like where people will say well i don't want to talk to a therapist that has never experienced the war and it's like well fine but those people work on what might be your underlying issue all the time. So maybe just go talk to them about whatever your underlying stuff is and forget about the war for a minute. You know, um, like I'm not a doctor, but I I would say that I feel confident that that is a, that is a worthwhile endeavor if you're serious about getting healthy. And I think another thing is uh, in this country, grievance is kind of its own industry. And so like now you, get to uh you get to sort of cash in on that currency all the time, and who wants to give that up you know it's a sort of it's it's a form of cloud. I see some of these guys guys that I even like on Twitter you know or uh, Instagram those are kind of the only only two social medias I've ever used but I'll see them do sort of a lot of this they're you know um, you know maybe their amygdalas are messed up probably are messed up but they're looking for dopamine hits and they're getting them and who wants to give that up? Cause now you're kind of addicted to this, to this other thing. Another point that, that sort of um, files on this one or files along with this one that I don't hear anybody else bring up, but I think is, is worth, the, the question is worth asking. We know that if people get addicted to alcohol, before their brain is fully developed, which for men is like 25 or something like this. We know that it kind of stunts their maturity for life. Well, if if alcohol can be that powerful, and I understand it's a substance, but if alcohol can be that powerful, then I would imagine that neuroepinephrine and cortisol and all of these things that are coursing through your veins when you're in combat, you know, and you're making all these flashbulb memories that will be with you forever. Um, then that's got to have some deleterious effect on your mind as well. And I don't hear anyone ever talking about that part. Like part, part of the reason that these 85 year old dudes are walking around with uh, jump wings on their hats, you know, you know, at Applebee's every year is because man, like in some ways that is probably where they, uh, you know, where like maybe they're in some ways stunted. And, and I, I, I think, first of all, okay, I think they should do that. And all these dudes who, you know, went and fought in Normandy and all this, I, th- like, I think, honestly, I think it's kind of cool as hell watching them, you know, file into the bar and sit down with their buddies. And I love to listen to them. I'm not making fun of them. I just mean that there's probably mm-hmm. some, like, we, there's probably some science behind why their brains work like that. Like the, I forget the Marine that became a Senator. He was a world war two guy became a senator and then when he died he had uh his tombstone was like pfc so-and-so united states marine corps and he'd done all this other you know impressive stuff in his life but to him the most important thing he ever did was fighting in world war ii which is really cool and i'm not making fun of it but i find it pretty interesting you know it is
1: yeah to your i mean to your first part i was very anti-therapy for most of my life until I needed therapy and then I went and got therapy and I'm going to tell you anybody that thinks it's not for them just give it a shot because um, maybe that person didn't didn't fight in the war with you and didn't grow up like you did or they are paid and trained to listen to you it's it's like having somebody works finance you know like that's what they do for a living and they're good at it i mean if you go to one and it's bad you had bad luck but for the most part even the bad ones are good and it's helpful to just not have because you you think that you can tell your friends anything and your family anything you can't there's never going to be one person in your friendship or family circles that you can dump your purse out on that wants to hear it most of them are tired of hearing it anyway but the ones that you pay that's what they're paid to do so they listen the other part that you talked about was like the cultivation of, you know, we do have a total culture of cultivating grief and uh, anger and abandonment and just any mental health issue that you can imagine. Like, I feel like there's a culture that promotes that so that, you know, because it it's a way to identify. But But to the last part, I mean, absolutely, I'm that way. I mean, I got my stupid uniform right behind me right now. Like, you know, I'm super proud of the time I served and um, I'm really thankful for the folks that I met, like especially. Like the rest of the like the bobbles and the stuff, like that stuff's not important. I just keep it up to remember it. But um, I've never been as close to anyone except for like, you know, loved ones and children as I've been with the men that like I served with. Like there are people that I would drop everything for i'd empty all my accounts for to to help them and it's because like you know the last thing that i the the quote that i like so much from younger is about that like that it's like this schooling of the heart and like if you went to that heart school with somebody if you're a part of that alumni i mean even veterans i didn't serve with i should say like you know with you um I feel a kinship with them, those types of folks more than anyone else in the world, like I think that I understand them better, and when I see that old man in his jump wings, I get it like I've made the joke very often that like you know one of these days i'll you know I'm sober now, so I'll be drinking like club soda, hopefully by then <laughs> but like i'll be I'll be in the bar with a bunch of like younger paratroopers, hopefully like leading the thing of blood on the risers um talk you know trying to tell them stories about Iraq, I hope like um because yeah i mean it's it's a weird it's a weird thing like when you work with men that like that do that job because it's such a strange job like you were saying earlier like you signed up to to commit violence like knowingly like nobody signed up and thought well maybe i'll get the." i mean for certain professions within the military you absolutely know that especially in a time of war that you're gonna do terrible things and have terrible things done to you and sign up anyway. It's a weird thing to share with someone.
0: Yeah, and I think that one of the problems that we have uh, societally that, which is something I'm actually working on with one of our mutual friends and and actually you too, I, th- I hope, um, is that we also don't ex. We need to accept that it there, people. I don't believe in the E. O. Wilson blank slate stuff. People are kind of what they are. I mean, obviously, you can make changes within that, but you, you are born in a certain box, and you will kind of always be that. Um, I, I, like I wrote about in, in my book, I said, you know, America wants to boast the Spartan army and then have them be store clerks in peacetime. And it just doesn't work like that. There's, that's a type of human being. It go, I mean, look at uh, uh, Shakespeare in the St. Crispin's Day speech i mean that's really like that that speech is talking about the same thing that that we're talking about right now you know um i, I can't remember the the quote verbatim but you know uh, and those who are not he- here shall think it a curse you know i mean that's a certain type of person because i i talk to plenty of sort of libertarian minded people that they don't feel any shame or curse that they missed out on some war i don't think right like they they don't care at all i think Uh, we're fools yeah they think we're foolish and yes exactly and and you know not uh probably not unfairly you know um there's
1: merit to the argument
0: yeah but then there are other people uh like hemingway is a good example of this i love when people give me shit about uh my love for hemingway but uh you know hemingway talks about uh, well, he calls critics the lice that crawl on literature, which is one of the best quotes of all time. But <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, um, he writes about—I think it's in the Green Hills of Africa, but it might be in Death in the Afternoon, which is which is his book that a lot that people don't read. But it's really just all about writing. Reddit. But it's great. uh You know, he's he's talking about bullfighting, but he's really talking about like life and writing throughout the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's a great book. Well, it could be in that one, but he says that. Uh, That his critics specifically were only criticizing him because he was a journalist who had experienced war and they hadn't and that made them feel wholly inadequate and uh, this desire to tear him down stemmed from their uh, sort of FOMO, you know, or uh, FOMO, I mean, you know, fear of missing out. And I do think that there is some, some real truth to that, but I think that it's a certain type of person. I, I, I mean, I, I just think that we uh, – some of the problems that we experience societally are that we – whether we realize it or not, we have accepted this fundamentally liberal belief that people are all born the same, and I just don't think that that's true
1: yeah i mean even like pinker right like stephen pinker destroyed that argument and it should be destroyed i mean it's foolish like I, I mean nature is to me the more important piece but nurture is a piece i mean the i think the appropriate metaphor that's been used before is um they're like the sides of a rectangle for every person they are different right like one side's the longer side one side's the shorter side you know for me, I think the longer side is nature. I look at like where I come from and the people I come from, and you know fortunately, in some cases and unfortunately, in most cases, I am just like them like i i don't think I think raised in other circumstances, I might be you know different to small degrees but um but yeah, I don't believe that, and I think that the kind of people that sign up for this stuff i mean i think I think some of it maybe it was because they were raised for some folks like we were saying like some folks that were just like richly indoctrinated and who really bought in um but i think i'd have joined any war i think yeah. that there was a just a part of me that just liked fighting and wanted to fight and a lot of the folks i served with were like that and you know if you want to look at it through the lens of the I uh, forget the name of it but what's the uh the, the book of like mental illnesses, no, um, oh, the DCM
0: or whatever DCS, yeah,
1: DCS. I don't know whatever that book is. Yeah, I yeah. forgot it. But but like, but there are you look at like the the personality inventory of folks that are in combat arms. I mean, I've said it before. I think a full third of the people I served within the infantry were had at least small touches of sociopathy uh, or they had schizoid personality disorder or antisocial personality disorders, Um, they were not normal people. Like, and when they got out, they didn't, a lot of them didn't do normal things either. Um, Not all of that can be blamed on war. I mean, many of them exhibited traits and personality types that were congruent with the, the ones I just mentioned without ever even seeing combat yet like mean, they were already up to that um i think that that works kind of draws certain people into it
0: yeah this is one of those things that Foucault got actually got right at least in my uh, view is that a lot of the things that we call uh disorders are really just um they are they are character traits and personality traits that were beneficial to our species for millennia. And now they don't fit in the the box of modernity so neatly, but they were important for, you know, depending on your worldview, six to 250,000 years, right. Uh, they were useful. I mean, like we've talked about this privately, the, the people Who were trappers? You know, from like the eighteen twenties to the sort of forties, fifties. Those were bizarre, strange people. (laughs) Like they—they were not like the. I love these dudes who are like, "Oh, I'm a modern day mountain man." It's like, no, you're not. You're not even close to what those people were. You're not even close. Like. But they, they think that, you know, because they go hunting three times a year or whatever. And, and, you know, spend 14 days a year on the mountain. And they think that that's a lot because the average person spends three, you know what I mean? But those were, those were a really weird and bizarre person, but they served a benefit to society, particularly to this country. Uh, They they were useful. Someone at some point, some um asian or inuit or whatever made a, a raft out of skins and stuck that son of a bitch in the ocean and said i'm gonna see what's on the other side of those rocks you know i'm gonna drag, I'm gonna drag my family yeah yeah like, he's crazier right it. like i mean yeah because yeah. he he's not gonna have any kids on his own like
1: how did he get over
0: here right right And he, he was looking at, I mean, we've all seen the ocean. Well, I mean, most of us have seen the ocean and those waves crashing into these rocks. And I mean, it's a violent thing and there's big ass, like these dudes could see whales just like you can, you know, they knew there was monsters out there. And this, this mofo shot a walrus and built a boat out of his ass and climbed in the ocean and started paddling and that was a necessary and useful thing because he discovered California turned out pretty good for him. You know, I mean, this is just one theory, but you know, it turned out pretty well for him. Well, that, that's a, that is a person that in a modern context would probably not fit in all that well in this, in this world, you know, he'd be doing, he'd probably be a damn criminal honestly, but he'd be Um, doing something.
1: Yeah. I mean, and to that point, so like, you know, phenotypical variation of the species right like that's what we're talking about it's not all just morphology and especially in the case of humans it's got to be psychological right like that's how we've preserved the species in so long is there's just different people like cranking out different people and putting them through different circumstances and successful ones land on the other side of whatever event like whatever selection event um but to the the, the i mean the the thing that you said about criminality Like, I mean, I have a story about this, like specifically about a man that I served with. Um, It's really close to this man. Um, He is now um, charged with murder. His trial starts in two months, I think. Um, Intentional murder. Um, I don't know all the circumstances because me and this gentleman have unfortunately had to part ways, Um, but he was um, not handy on this side of the ocean. But on that side of the ocean, when it was like, when it was time to get after it, like that guy was, I mean, he was handy as a shirt pocket. Like that dude would hit any house, would fight any man, would shoot without a second's hesitation. Um, would you drop him in to a really dangerous situation? He'd instantly know what needed to be done, who needed to move, where they needed to go. Um, he was great at that work really great, um, but came home, didn't have a mission, didn't have anybody to talk to really, and wouldn't talk to him, a few people that he did have to talk to, um, went to the VA, got his, you know, his raft of medications to take, you know, his benzos and his antidepressants and his whatever else, and then, you know, boozed away, um, didn't really fit in with his family anymore which weren't really supportive of him before he left that's why he left and yeah i mean ended up now i mean he's been in a bad spot for a while but you look at like that personality type and i think that's what you're talking about it's like yeah i mean he was the kind of guy that would put his wife and baby in a animal skin raft just because he wanted to go over there and see what was over there Mm -hmm. um it's a handy human to have in certain scenarios but yeah he's not gonna fit in
0: yeah, and we the way we set up our military is we we take these guys in at 17, 18, 19 years old and we put them through this train up and then we ship them off to the war and they go and do what what we've trained them to do and then they come home and say okay, uh you can either stay here until you're 37, 40 years old and then get out and go retire and do god knows what i mean mean, buy a little farm or something i don't know or you can get out after four or five years and then move into the civilian world and i look at it and i think well some of those guys that you're asking this of you're you're like if we have come to this conclusion that there are people who are very useful for this sort of thing but are not gonna do well in the civilian world, then I promise that the the better thinkers in the Pentagon for a century have known about this. So they're truly just using this person like a tissue paper. It, in a society that was more just and took their their wars more seriously, they would keep this guy around. They'd give him a job, whatever. And and you know, if, if he's gonna be in combat arms or whatever, then have that dude out there drilling and you know just just doing um shooting ranges and combatives and this kind of stuff until he's 70 who cares man like you 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 asked him to do these things and then you threw him away and i think that that's really tragic and you know i I don't need this dude like maybe he comes home and he doesn't have to buff floors anymore or whatever and now he just gets to work ranges or you know get be a part of of that thing because he's useful rather than just toss him away at you know 40 years old but then at the same time i fully understand and i'm one of these people that makes this argument that the the army's only goal should be lethality and a 70 year old dude who fought a Uh, sort of Indian war in the Middle East is probably not going to be all that useful X amount of years down the road when you've opened up some other new conflict that looks nothing like that conflict. You know, maybe he's at at that point, he's kind of a detriment to the, to the service, but you've got to find some way to take care of these people that, that uh, works for them. I think. I mean, I think that
1: would be nice. Right. But like, I'm, I'm, I don't believe the government can do anything well, right? right? Like and I don't I don't know if I trust them to do it. Like the thing that I'd always like to encourage like veterans to do is if they can get help from the military or somebody else get it. They got to help themselves. You know, the the real thing to me was like to find a mission, start a family, you know, build a network. That to me is the most important part because the other parts I think will will come back later, you know, to start to lose the shame, start to lo- seek help, um, stop abusing drugs and alcohol. Like they, those are important steps, but I think finding the mission is probably the most important and, and it's hard. A lot of veterans get out, you know, I got out at the time, you know, I only spent five and a half years in, I wasn't in very long. But it was a pretty action-packed five and a half years. And by the end of it, um, I was a platoon sergeant. I was an E6 platoon sergeant. And um, that's a pretty important job on the line. I mean, it's almost the end of a lifespan for an enlisted man. And I got out of that. Like, that really, what was it? I mean, if you're on the line, like, that's a pretty prestigious role. Like, you're the old man of the platoon. Like, I got out of that. And, um, dude, I had to go work at, like, a distribution center. <laughs> Like, I had to, like, move little cardboard boxes from this conveyor belt to this, tra- like, this little push cart to this truck to this, like, um, I had to go work at, like, retail, you know? Like, um, it's it's a hard pill to swallow, because, you know, you got somebody that's, like, some civilian, right? Like, because that's what you're thinking of at the time, like, this civilian, like, you're already a civilian, but you don't think of yourself that way, mm-hmm. like... You know, I got the civilians never served, never done anything like telling me what to do and telling me that I did it wrong. And um, it's a hard thing to take. And that's what I think drives a lot of people off mission early is because they got to go right back in the barrel. Got to go back to being a private. And in their mind, like, I'm already this. I've already done this. Like, I'm so much better. Like, I've seen things you haven't. I've done things you haven't. You know where that shit go. Like, you got to go back to being a private because you're, you are. And but you get on that mission, and you follow that through, and you'll see the same success that you might have saw in the military and I wish that like the the government did have a better like placement program for folks that are exiting, but even if they did, I still think we'd have a wide swath of veterans that don't participate like i i they had an a cap program for me, I blew that a cap stuff off, so I could go drink and play pool, yeah. you know. Yeah. Like I'd say, oh, I'm like, I'm cap and I got cap appointments, and I'm over here at Mickey's, like Fayetteville, shooting pool, drinking double tall gin and tonics. Yeah. Because um, I didn't need it. Like, I'm going to be fine. I'm already this, you know. um So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I I'd, I'd like for the government to do better, but more importantly, I'd like the veterans to take care of themselves better.
0: Cause, yeah, I agree. We, I, I actually agree with all that. We, um that that guy you were talking about before. That that's got this murder trial coming up. I have a, a really good friend of mine from uh, my deployment to Iraq that came home and struggled with basically all the things that you're talking about at like retail. He 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 drank too much for a while, but he got a, a hold of his substance abuse stuff fairly quickly. But he was really struggling with this this working at the Gap kind of thing, you know. And he definitely had. He definitely had some issues. Well, he ended up, he goes back to school and then he drops out of that program and then he moves into this other program at school and you know, just kind of back and forth trying to figure out what he wants out of life. But he knows that he doesn't want to work in retail. And then eventually he ends up on uh, you know, a disability thing. And God bless him. I'm glad they're taking care of him. But I I think that one of the worst things that you can do for your mental health is to be 30, you know, in your late thirties or mid thirties or whatever, and go on this disability and do, do absolutely nothing. Cause then all all you're doing is sitting around and playing call of duty and thinking about stuff that you really need to be breaking away from. And this guy, you know, I, I he's kind of doing okay, but I, I you know, like he, it could have went a, a number, any number of ways, all of them, you know all of them bad and in, in my opinion and it went the the best of a bunch of bad options in in the way i i see things but you know god like I say god bless him and i hope he's happy but i wish that there would have been some other you know and i i guess it means it says a lot that i'm using the word wish but i wish that there would have been some other way to put this guy in because he you know he he definitely sacrificed a lot and you see his life going in a way that is just not, I mean, it's not like terrible. He's not, uh, uh, you know, going to end up with a murder charge or anything, but I I worry about him and I, I, I just, I don't know, man. Um, it just kind of sucks. Like this is one of the things like I was talking to you about trying to find some guys who were serious about wanting to get into the agricultural industry and putting something together for him that, you know it could sort of help funnel them in because I kind of look at it like, well, if the government's not going to do any of this piece, because I agree with you that going and getting therapy would be great, but I also know based off of experiences that a lot of these guys are not going to go do that, even though they should right. so it would be nice to or I, I'm going to try to put something together to at least force these guys uh, out of their their cavern, you know because I think that's terrible too I, I I did that, especially when I was doing stand-up bro, all I did was sit around and write jokes and drink all freaking day and think about that stuff. And some ways it worked out good because uh, a lot of the ideas that I, that I think were, uh, you know, to the extent that they are good in, in the glass factory came out of that time, you know, that sitting around really thinking about this stuff and um, kind of trying to get to the bottom of my own soul a lot of that came out of that time period but yeah you know I probably lost years of my life to it and I was definitely floundering and I probably had you know I, I had a lot of physical problems so I couldn't have just got right back on Colts but had I been able to move into something like Colts right away I could have skipped that entire step and you know used Twitter the way I use it now which is like my outlet for uh, yeah. stand up because I can't do that anymore, you know. Um yeah, I don't I don't know. That's kind of a that, sorry man, i so, sort of rambled on you there, but your sure, show. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> good. No,
1: I mean I agree with it. I think that like I, you know, you need to work you need to work your shit out. Everybody does. And if taking some time off work your shit out, and I don't know if this is probably a family show I shouldn't be cursing. That's but right. um you should you should work it out. And um Sitting around helps for a little bit, do that, but don't stay sitting. Right. Because, like, that's there's there, you need everybody needs a little bit of that action just to, to sit through their things, to work their things out. Don't avoid them. Don't push them away. Don't push them down. Don't bottle them up. Work them out. Once they're worked, go work some, go work on something else, you know. And if you can work on that stuff while you're working on something else, like what you're talking about, some program, job. Trade, school, something you can do in the meantime, it's actually better. I mean, sitting around and working it out, as long as you're working it out, is good. But doing something else and working it out is better. Yeah. And I think that's the key is, you know, again, just finding that mission, finding something else. You know, if you're a soldier, well, the worst time if you're a soldier is in garrison or before the battle, right? Like, nobody wants. The best time to be a soldier is in action. Everybody, everybody knows it's true. But the worst time is waiting for something to happen, or the worst time is when you get you're idle, because that's when you get in trouble. That's when you start to do things you shouldn't do, just because you're probably already that type of person that wants action. So you'll make action any way you can get it. Yeah. And if you're if you're idle hands, like I mean, what are you gonna end up? What do you end up doing? You know, what are you gonna? what are you going to chase down you're going to end up making trouble for yourself
0: yeah yeah no it's it's a good point and i i would add to all of that and say that if you are sitting around stewing and thinking about stuff start writing it down i know not everyone's going to do it but start writing it down i for me i think probably the the most the single most effective uh, treatment i ever did was was writing that book you know, and I, of course, I didn't have a healthcare professional sitting over my shoulder watching me do it, but it did really help to work through that and, you know, mm-hmm. put it in. And, and you know, a lot of people are gonna be like, well, I can't write. So like, who cares? Just do it anyway. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have people read it. <laughs> just write it down and, and crumple it up and throw it in the garbage if you want. I don't give a crap, mm-hmm. but just write it out. Um, and really, I, I think that that makes you work through it at a a lot deeper level and then seeing things chronologically helps uh organize your mind i think as well because a lot of the memories from from the war are kind of disjointed until you put them out there like you'll you'll think of this one you know engagement or tick or whatever and then this other one and and then when you really start writing it out you'll realize that this one actually fit over here and this one actually fit over here. But in my mind, I'd had them reversed throughout the whole thing. And even just that for whatever reason, it's almost like defragmenting your hard drive. Even just doing that seems to help, you know, lining it out. And then another thing that comes through writing too, is you will cut through a lot of the bullshit that you've told yourself over time, you know, cause like, once you see it on paper, you'll be like, that's just, that's just not true you know, and it's this idea that you had in your mind for a decade, and then you write it out, and you're like, yeah, I've been telling myself this very bizarre lie every day when I wake up for 10 years, and that's just not true, you know, and I think it helps to cut a lot of those out as well, you know, and, and being able to admit when uh, naivete was part of it, you know, um, mm-hmm. and, and, in like, to the, to the bizarre weirdo, Uh, murder cultists credit the indoctrination piece is not entirely wrong there's there's part of indoctrination is part of it you know but it's definitely not you know it's not the whole story if it were we'd have an army of 40 million kids every year and and not one million you know so there's there's lots of other moving parts
1: yeah i mean the main to me the main criticism i have for that whole murder cult thing is like a, a lot of it is actually like it is spot on like we talked about it. i mean there's a lot of merits to it the, the issue to me is just that it usually takes people who are already like we're talking about like who are legitimately affected by this negatively and it lumps further blame on them like somehow by making them you know you can be naive and that can be an explanation but um that doesn't make what you did worse Right, like you don't have to blame yourself for being stupid too, yeah. right? Like you went through something bad, you've got survivor's guilt, you've got moral injury, you've got p t s or p t s d you know, don't make it worse by being like, "Oh, the government lied to me, and I'm stupid, and I went into these horrible things for no reason at all like to me that that's excessive mm-hmm. um you were put placed in many situations, you know, and within temporal space were just snapshots of your life, you know how you acted there, attempt to divorce it from all these rhetorical arguments that are made by Lulberts online. Um, they don't quite understand what you did and why you did it. What they're talking about is a completely separate issue. And the legitimacy of the war in Iraq or Afghanistan is completely separate from the actions and the consequences that you experience. You know, it it's important to talk about illegitimate wars and preventing illegitimate wars and but there's no reason to create the collateral damage of veterans on top of it and to make them feel worse because they're already again suffering and affected by by these these symptoms that's the reason why i don't like it like i i know of a lot of folks who don't need the additional burden of thinking that they were lied to and stupid and what they did was terrible and illegal they don't need that additional burden like we need to let them take care of themselves and get through this stuff save your moral arguments about i don't know for the bond circle
0: yeah i agree with you i, I look at this similarly to the uh, uh eviction moratorium stuff when people are just spending all their time hammering the people who are getting evicted online they're you know they're saying you. You freaking idiot, you should have paid your payments and your rent and all this. You had the money and it's like, man, I get it. And there's a lot of those people that you're probably right about. But bitching at your neighbor is not going to change anything. What the hell good is that going to do? You should direct all, take all of that frustration and direct it at the people that actually caused the problem. You know what I mean? Like, It does no good to complain about your neighbor in this situation unless that person is out buying boats and you own the property and see the boat park there, then being mad at him is, is okay. You know, if he's affecting you directly, but um, for most of us who, who are not landlords, whatever I'm I'm not, who are not landlords uh, you know, direct all of that ire at the administration and the government and the state, it does no good to blame the people. And that's what I think uh, about this murder cult thing is it's it's kind of it's kind of really weak in a lot of ways because what they're doing is uh, they're hiding behind this uh, like they're, they're pretending as if who they're going after is the state but they're making these arguments right at individual people who were yes. in, in their in their moral philosophy actually victims of the state and that's cowardly i hate it it really bug bo- it really bothers me I mean, yeah. What in participated my engagement with
1: that nonsense was actually a, I mean, a young man who's never saw combat, never fired a shot in anger or had one fired at him. Um, for the most part, lived a very peaceful existence within the nation's military. Um, and upon his exit, decided that as a form of protest, he was going to go through some performance art of burning his his uniform of course with the appropriate number of dopamine hits right like with so many likes or rts i'm gonna you know i'm gonna and the the audience for that was you know very much like yeah you know like you were in a murder cult and you know you were part of this you know huge empire that goes around and kills innocent civilians and I don't know, man. That just seems like nonsense to me. Um, Are there some illegitimate wars? Yes. Are there some negative acts committed by the nation's military as a part of those illegitimate wars and actions? Yes. But does that mean to say that some kid who joined the army and changed tires in some motor pool at a CONUS post is, is a part of a murder cult and stretch, right? Like, and and if and if he was somebody that was a part of a murder cult, how does calling it out to him in such a way and to to have him so inspired to do these bizarre acts of performance art, how is that helping him or eliminating the murder cult? I mean it's not. It's not. It's, it's like it's like heckling. It doesn't do anything, it makes you feel better and it's funny and people like it, but it doesn't stop the act, it doesn't stop the play. You're just a bystander You gets to talk out loud and catch a few laughs like i just think it's a it's a negative act and and more likely somebody on stage ends up affected negatively by it you know it's just it's heckling it's all it is
0: yeah and that 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 kid that, that you're talking about i think um I think it was Lee Enfield pointed out that he was like a water system specialist or something, whatever the hell that is. I don't even know what that is, but you know, like he um, murdered a bunch of amoebas. <laughs> yeah, just really, really weird, man. Um, and it, you know, I have noticed that. Gosh, I didn't even mean to get into this, but I have noticed that a lot of the people who, uh, you know, make these claims like. It was a a parasite on this, you know, the, the taxpayer and all this stuff. They're almost always like supply guys and, you know, mechanics and stuff. And it's like, whatever, man, like, I'm not, I'm not here to denigrate anybody's job choice, like whatever, man, like, I, you did what you did and if you're proud of it then i'm i'm happy for you that you're proud of it and i'm I'm like i'm not making fun of anybody that way but what i am going to point out is that a lot of these foreign policy experts didn't spend any time foreign any place you know and it's and, and when they did uh it was you know not exactly on the line like you say and um i just think that that's pretty interesting because for for everyone that For every ten thousand people that make arguments like that, there's one Joe Kent out there, you know, or you know, or Javi, you know, or some guy like this that are making a lot more coherent arguments about the problems with our foreign policy. And I think that the reason that that coherence is there is because they have actually been that last fifty yards of foreign policy before. They understand the the end result, you know. So. Yeah, and that's you know obligatory Joe Kent plug here. Like I think okay. that that is part of what makes Joe's campaign so powerful is that he actually seems to recognize all of this stuff, but he, uh, first of all, his credibility is unquestionable. Um, I haven't heard one person from. Uh, the soft community say a negative word about him other than they're mad about his politics. That's, that's all I've ever seen, you know, never about him as a man. In fact, I've seen a lot of, I had a whole bunch of respect for you as a man. And now because of your stance on the border, I think you're the biggest piece of crap in the country. You know, I've seen some of that, but, um, but this guy goes out and talks about these problems with uh, these wars. And he is going directly at the state. You know, you've got that, you know, Shane out here acting like an idiot on Twitter, uh, pretending that he's some sort of serious political candidate, even though he's never been serious about anything outside of building night vision for drones in his life. And then you've got, you know, Joe, who really puts himself together and is taking really taking the fight or taking, you know, you know, the fight, you can't say that without being an insurrectionist anymore, but you know what I mean? And metaphorically taking the fight to, to the state in a powerful way. And I think it's really important. And in fact, to kind of full circle the whole PTS thing, I think guy, a guy like Joe Kent is sort of like a Hackworth of, you know, the Vietnam war. And I think that dudes like Joe Kent and Hackworth do more for, uh, by being in the public eye, making these kind of arguments in um, intelligent and coherent ways, I think that they do as much or more for people who are battling with the survivor skill and all of this as as anyone from, you know, as anyone in our generation or the generation before. And so I think that that's like a really important part of this, because when I see Joe out there talking, I'm like, yeah, man, I, his his takes are basically mine but a lot better and it makes me feel like i can be comfortable saying that these wars were stupid and also not have to go all the way to this this place where it's like i wake up sore every day for no reason and i should feel like an idiot and you know i should i should add shame on top of the physical pain you know it makes me not have to feel that way and i think that that's an an important uh, i i just think that's really important i guess what i'm trying to say and yeah and so you know
1: It is important to the folks that have been already affected by these wars, and then hopefully it has the effect on preserving others from having to experience it, right? Like hopefully Joe's message, you know, he's going to have a successful campaign, I believe, but hopefully the most important thing he does is not just win office. He continues to evangelize to folks that these wars are somewhat preventable, or at least the exposure to them can be of significant less duration. You know, I think his foreign policy more closely mirrors mine even than yours. And we've talked about this privately, but yeah. you know, I'm not I'm not as anti-war as I am just anti-building of nations and converging, you know, baptizing Eastern societies into Western, you know, ideologies. Um, I think that, yeah, I mean, these wars need to be purposeful short um and and the folks that are that are affected by need to be taken care of and and have the message that what they did was not in vain because hopefully in the future we're not using them in vain um that's what i think is really important about joe as well yeah
0: yeah i mean like you say we don't have we don't completely agree on foreign policy but i'm a hell of a lot closer to you than i am to the current model so like, I'll take the wins where I can get them, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, And this is part of the reason that, Lobert, you know, this Lobert stuff is uh like a dangerous cope that some veterans are getting into. And I, I want to point out again to some of the guys that might be like how I was maybe 10 years ago, that a lot of these dudes who are these, you know, quote unquote veteran guys that are making all these sort of. Um, you know that are calling you a parasite. These dudes have no experience. There's now someone like Shane does. I'm not saying that about Shane specifically, but a lot of them don't, and that's worth like remembering too. You know, um, right. like the messenger matters. Uh, the message is important, but the messenger matters too, uh, for a, you know, for a host of reasons, and that's worth it's just, it's just worth considering when you're in that place where you're vacillating between what is actually right and wrong when it comes to war, because the truth is, is that in a lot of ways, uh, right and wrong go out the window in war. And that is why you should be so hesitant to uh, pull the trigger, pardon the pun on, on a war like that. Sure. Um, And it's important
1: to note too, that like I, the minority of veterans that I speak to, believe that their actions like the ones that to your point that were in the war like in the war not they went from their chew to the mwr to like whatever building they worked in on a fob but like the ones that were in the war i'd say the minority of the ones i've spoken with actually believe what they specifically did in that war was in vain because yeah in the overall effort of the war failure whatever word you want to use to describe how that went um like my time you know on a on a triple beam weighs out to be more good than more bad you know i specifically saw some terrible things happen and participated in some fairly terrible things but the the gross abundance of what i did i think was good the the memories i had of the things that we like accomplished were overall good um and so, yeah, the the larger war effort, when it's viewed from the FOB, you know, or from the news at home, does look fairly bad. But for most of the participants, I don't think that, I don't know, and, and I mean, I don't know if there's been a study or anybody to look into this, but I would say that a lot don't seem to carry this natural guilt about what they did. Um, most of the guilt seems to be somewhat um, specific to people that were lost or things that were done but but never to be about like my whole time there was was a waste um that seems to usually be fairly artificial or at least inspired by things that didn't occur over there it's what they read somewhere or they heard or they watched somebody say on tv
0: yep regurgitating stuff that they picked up from x or y quote-unquote thinker um we're, we're about out of time here. I started doing this new thing where I asked to put people on the spot. And so I'm yeah. going to do it right here. Okay. Uh, what is your favorite part about being an American? Yikes.
1: Um, I think my favorite part about being an American is that despite what many folks have told me about how terrible it is and have the knowledge that it's not you know like the the things that we tend to complain about are uh small like first world problems right like i mean it's like a hashtag but i um i don't get to see the terrible things i've seen elsewhere everywhere here I mean, there are absolutely terrible parts of America that like people are suffering in, but for the most part, I mean, we have a very decadent society. And while that comes with a lot of moral problems, um, you're not starving to death, which is always a worse problem, my experience seeing. like seeing. Um, and the idea that I've been bequeathed to me a, a, a tremendous amount of liberty still like even as people try to attempt to erode it that the, i mean i'm on a show right now with you that's going to be broadcast to others where i've been c- able to completely speak freely and um i can own property without much intervention um even with uh, the erosion of liberty that yeah we've inherited it's tremendous in comparison to others i mean still the freest country in the world um despite some people's best efforts I mean it yeah and I can travel on it freely and I can see all the grandeur and all the different states and all the different cultures and that we've remained united throughout all this like I know that we talk balkanization and such like but I, I really don't want it you know and if we do balkanize I still want to be able to cross the border to go eat you know crabs in Maryland and go shoot elk in Idaho and I mean, even go to California. I mean, it's a it's a great it's a great country. It, I mean, it's the best country that's ever existed. It's worth the fighting for.
0: Thanks, man. We'll have to do this again really soon. Thanks, Brian. I want to thank Pa for coming on and having that discussion with me. I think it was a pretty good one. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I want to thank you guys for tuning in. And I um, I need to grow this YouTube channel. I know everyone asks you to do this, but we, we really do need help. So if you like this kind of stuff, please share, subscribe, turn on that little notification bell, all the stuff everybody asks you to do. You kind of know the drill. But also, most importantly, like I've told you guys before, please go follow Gruntpa. On Twitter, he's at the Votary. on Twitter. It's kind of hard to find. It's maybe a little easier to find if you just type in Mother F and Grumpaw. Anyway, follow him so that he he, uh, knows that it's worthwhile coming on stuff like this. And my other guests, too. Thank you all. I appreciate you. Hope you have a good weekend. Hope you're doing well. And heart to heart, for real. If you're struggling, hit me up in DMs if you need to. But get some help, man. We really do care about you and, and want you to be able to enjoy life doesn't have to end in ramada you don't have to or in iraq or afghanistan you don't have to spend the rest of your life feeling like you died at war and you're just waiting for it to happen get some help man take care